everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tattoos. I have my good friend, Kelsey Weeby here. She is a self-love coach that helps women heal their relationship with food with her Rediscover You program. So she's here to share three lessons from her 30s about relationships, and I'm really excited for this episode. It's long overdue because uh, we've been friends for quite a few years now, and I have never invited her for a podcast interview, which seems really embarrassing now that I think about it. Uh, So Kelsey, do you want to share some of your story when it comes to relationships? Yes. And it's exciting to be here. We actually like moved to Mexico together, like way back in the day. Oh yeah. Uh, I should pre-frame, like pre-frame that a little bit. Kelsey and I met at a marketing event in California in 2019. And we quickly became really good friends when the pandemic happened and I decided to go to Mexico. I invited her to come and live with me. And she did for like 10 months. It was one of this crazy adventure. She got a boyfriend there. She broke up with her boyfriend there. And then she left me all alone in Mexico. And I will forever be bitter about this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, okay. Now that we've gotten past that, um, what would you, what, where would you like to take us on your journey with relationships? Cause I know it all. And I want you to share some of it with, with the listeners here. Yeah, no. So, um, <laughs> Let's see. My first like really big relationship to start things off. I married my high school sweetheart. Uh, I grew up in a really religious household. I was a virgin bride. And that was just like, it was the next step in our relationship. We wanted to live together, but in order to do that, we needed to get married. Because religious reasons, right? Yeah. And I mean, at the time, like I was 20 years old when I got married and he was my first boyfriend. He was my first love. And in my mind, like this was going to last forever. And this is just what you do. Like, this is what I grew up, um, as far as like my family, a lot of my family, even still, um, they've, they get married really, really young. A lot of them, almost all of them are all still married and now have kids. And it's just, that was just what I was taught. And, It was an interesting time. We were married for uh, five years, but I remember like we were checking off all the boxes of society, right? Like we, you know, got our degrees, we bought a house, we had the dog, we had the cat, we got our jobs. And then the next thing was we were going to have kids. And I remember him saying he really wanted to start having kids by 25. And two days before my 25th birthday, I left. I left it all. Like we literally had a house with a little white picket fence. And I was like, nah, this isn't the life for me. Um, So I left the furniture. I left the house. The only thing I took was the car so that I could leave. And at the time it was, I had labeled myself as the villain of his story. um, Because he really was a really lovely person. It just wasn't... I hadn't really taken the time to understand who I was and the things that I wanted in my life. And if I look back at that relationship, a lot of it was, I wasn't really present. I didn't really know who I was or what I wanted. I was just kind of following what society and my family had told me, what my church had told me to want. Um, And I don't know, I, I was really immature and I continued to be immature in a lot of my other relationships thereafter. Uh, I think a lot of that, and we'll talk about this deeper. I 
really didn't feel good about myself. I put a lot of my self-worth on my body and on the way that I looked. And it felt like if I wasn't getting the attention that I wanted from the person I was with, then I would instantly go searching for it from someone else because I just didn't have enough of that self-love from within. So it was just this constant need for external validation that I know that that was a huge reason um, why a lot of my relationships failed, including that one. But that's a starting point. (laughs) But it's really, before you go on, it's really interesting because I feel like so many of us, like you, even now, because I'm your friend, I know that you struggle with perfectionism and Mm -hmm. you literally did everything to a T perfect based on society's expectations of women and the virgin bride, you're married, the high school sweetheart. And you've told me you had a very beautiful, expensive wedding. Yes. Yes. It was, I was the princess, like literally a princess. I had the little tiara. I had the huge gown. We had, it was $30,000, like princess, gorgeous dream wedding. Um, but it just wasn't what I wanted. I wasn't happy. You know, you check off all the boxes and then you think like, now what? Like, yeah. So what it? happened? Yeah. And what happened after that? You went on a new journey. Like it was a new chapter. So what does that look like? It was a totally new chapter. That divorce like completely changed my life because um, it was the first time that I made a decision for me and was actually, it was really, really scary at first. And because I kept saying it was my fault, I'm the one that destroyed everything. I, that negative self-talk really became like this self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, I kept telling myself, I didn't deserve, I didn't deserve to be happy. I didn't deserve to feel good about myself. I didn't deserve to be in a healthy relationship where someone treated me well, because I was the one who ruined my marriage. And like, I was the one who left and messed everything up. And it's really strange how like you end up punishing yourself or thinking like, you you know, you deserve to be punished. And it ends up like punishing the people around you because then I would engage in this really toxic behavior, whether that be with alcohol or, you know, toxic sexual relationships, just honestly, like, it's so sad. I went through a period after my marriage, right? I was a virgin bride. And then when I left, I was just like, well, okay. So now I'd no longer believe in that. I'm no longer this perfect, clean, whatever. Um, and so I was like, well, now I'm just going to figure out how to, how do I date and trying to explore sexuality with different people. And just, man, like I look back at it and, and just that immaturity. Um, I remember just like, sometimes like I would literally sleep with someone just so someone would like hold me at night or like, I just wanted to feel loved and I would do things that then I would end up deeply regretting. Or every time I slept with someone, it actually just kind of like eroded a little bit of my self-esteem. Um, and, and it's because I wasn't doing it for, for the right reasons. It wasn't doing it because I, I felt love for this person. I was doing it because I just, I I wanted validation. I I wanted, I just wanted to feel loved and I couldn't feel love from within. So, um, that was a, an interesting period, lots of drinking, lots of dancing on bars, lots of just not being, (laughs) 
My therapist said it was very normal. <laughs> it is very normal. And I think we should normalize that. I want to touch on two things because I think one thing is really important for everyone to realize is you actually, when you break up with a partner that isn't aligned to for you or to you, it's a gift to both people. Like imagine if yes. you had stayed in that relationship because you felt guilt and shame to leave the relationship and you had the kids. Imagine how miserable of a mom and a wife you would have been. And now he's he's remarried. He has kids, right? And he mm-hmm. sold the and house. He's super yeah. happy. Yeah. You know, he, he sold the house. He now has two houses. He, yeah, he got married within 10 months after our divorce. Like he has two beautiful children. He's right where he wants to be. Yeah. And, so it and was a gift. Exactly. You're absolutely right. And I wish I would have like recognized that at the time. But we don't talk about it as that way. We talk about success, like permanence and, and permanency is success. Mm-hmm. And it's far from the truth because really life is meant to flow. And if yes. you get stuck somewhere you don't belong, it's just like all the pressure of all of the other emotions and stuff and the universe coming at you being like, no, you're not supposed to be here. It just keeps building to the point that then you see alcoholism and you see cheating and you see all these other things happening. And so we really should be looking at breakups as something to be celebrated because if you're not aligned with that person, you're making room for someone else to come in that is going to fulfill what they want. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Like uh, just because a relationship ends, it doesn't mean it's a failure. Um, And there's, I think that's another thing that I've learned here more recently too, is just that failure is only feedback and failure is not an identity. It is an event. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, so if you can look at those little things, even if it's an argument or if it is a like a relationship that wasn't successful or, or whatever else, like it doesn't mean that either person is broken. It's just an opportunity for you to learn and take those lessons into your next relationship and to, to improve as, as yourself, right. Grow as a person yourself. Yeah. And this, this event that happens after a a divorce or a breakup from a long-term relationship is perfectly normal because after And I think it happens mostly after that early 20s commitment Mm -hmm. when you either get married when you're really early 20s or you've been in a relationship for five years or 10 years, because then you have to go find yourself. You go find your new identity. When I broke up with my ex, I met him at 20, 21, 22, and we were together till I was 26, like five years, almost five years. I had to find who I was outside of the relationship because I was no longer the farm girl with the horses, with the sawmilling business. I was no longer John's fiance. I was no longer mm-hmm. a part of that family anymore. I didn't live on the river. I had to go find who I was now. And I think that's really scary for a lot of us. And sometimes it involves us doing promiscuous things. And the other half of this is a lot of us have been raised to believe that love and sex are the same thing. And so we seek Mm. out love in sex. I know at least that was for me, even when I was in college is I didn't know what love was. I wasn't raised in a family that showed love openly. Love was what you could do for someone else. Love was like, the service that you could provide. And so sex is in a way could be considered like a form of service in a relationship. And so I was like, oh, if I just get really good at this, then they'll love me. 
Sounds so it's horrible. So, I've never said it that way, but it's so true. It's so true. And I promise you, you are not the only one. Like I've talked to so many women who, especially like they'll talk even just about blowjobs and like, well, if I yeah, can get so really good at this, like, <laughs> like, then I will be loved. Then I will be worthy. Then I, and it's just like, oh, wow, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> yeah. But when you don't have any context of what love really feels like you seek it in all the ways possible and that's just one of them the sad thing is when you get stuck in seeking it that way and you can't get past that cycle i think that cycle is normal and necessary for a lot of us but if you can get past it and really ex- like go to the next level then you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s still being in that pattern so what happened 100%. next what happened after the the spicy time of your life. The spicy time, which by the way, just side note, like that's exactly why I named my company Rediscover You was inspired by that exact rediscovering of yourself after a divorce. Even though that's not exactly what I do now, like I specifically work with women when it comes to like, you know, having a healthier relationship with food in their body. Like originally that's why I named the company that way because I wanted to help people get through a divorce. Cause it is like, like you said, who am I now? Yeah. Um, but yeah, after my divorce, then I had, um, I had a, a couple of like little like relationships here and there. I think the biggest one, um, was someone, I think he was just like the opposite of what I had been with in my, in my ex-husband. Like he rode a motorcycle. He was a diesel mechanic. He had tattoos up and down his arms. Like he was just, he was from New York and he was just like, <laughs> just like uh, a rebellion, but he was so sweet. Like he was a really, really kind, beautiful person. Um, there are times like I look back at that, that time. And I think it's interesting. Like Esther Perel is someone who says that like, there is no the one that it's based on, you know, timing can have a huge part of it that we really can make kind of any relationship work if we, if we really want to. And I think that was something that was big for me here recently to get out of this mindset that I'm looking for my other half or my person, the soulmate, um, the soulmate, you know what I mean? Like, um, (laughs) And I, I like, so this would have been, I look back at this relationship now with, with what I know now. And I, I think if I would have had the maturity that I do now, that maybe possibly we, that could have been a long lasting relationship. But at the time, like I really, at that time, and especially I was having a lot of struggles with, with disordered eating, um, with binge eating. I had horrible body image issues. And like I said, was constantly seeking validation. And if he couldn't give it to me, like if I, um, then I would be seeking it from someone else. And so we would do this. It was this weird, almost toxic thing. Cause it was like chasing. So he loved the chase and like, I, um, so he would love the chase. He would love, um, like he just really, he found that exciting. Right. And I wanted to be pursued, but then the moment that he quote unquote caught me and I was getting all the attention I wanted, then it was no longer exciting for him. So then he'd start like pulling away, which then if he pulled away, then I'd go search somewhere else, like to get attention, which then meant the chase was back on. Mm -hmm. And so we had a very toxic relationship in that sense, very immature. We broke up. This is not a hyperbole at least 20 times. Like it was just this constant thing. Um, 
and and even though I, I I know I loved him deeply, it just it just didn't work. And it was one of those things like that was a story where like he and I I was gonna move to New Zealand, and he was sold everything. He sold everything. He quit his job, and he was gonna move to Z- New Zealand with me. And he went to go to Europe first while I was going to go to India. And while he was in Europe, before we met back in New Zealand, I broke up with him and I was just like, no, I want to do this alone. I don't want, I know you don't really want to be in New Zealand. I think you'll resent me. And I just really, I needed to travel and do my own thing. I needed to know that I was strong and independent and capable and that I, I just needed that time. I, I, don't like the way I went about it. And I feel really bad because he's a really lovely human being, but yeah, that's what happened there. Yeah. I want to touch on one thing that you said, because a lot of the idea that we can make any relationship work doesn't mean that we should. There's a new saying that I heard that I absolutely love. And a lot of us especially for those like me that have anxious attachment style and breakups are like the hardest thing in the world. We ask, how can I make this work? How can I make this relationship work instead of, is this working for me? It's a big difference. And so I always admired you because you're the one that taught me the he would be so lucky to have me. And that oh, was that's the, right. Right. We were in the club in Scottsdale. Oh my gosh. I have yep. to show this story. We went to bottled blondes in yes. Scottsdale. I don't remember what, well, that was in December of 2019 before the pandemic. Yes. It was. You came out and visited me in yes, Arizona. That's right. Yes. Oh my God. And we were in that club and all these guys kept coming up and they would literally grab you by the arm and want to talk to you. And I was just blown away. And I was like, what are you doing? And you were like, I use the eyes. And I was like, you're looking at these people. I don't want them to come up to me. I'm not going to look at them. Don't look at me. Like, I don't want you, but it was like a game for you. And you're like, I also go in with the mindset of you would be so lucky. So I look at them and I look at them with the mindset of that you would be so lucky. And I was like, oh my God, what? It's like a superpower. Like I loved it. Like, and I could go, this this has worked all around the world. And like, it was something I've had to learn to turn off now that I'm in a really loving and beautiful relationship and also just not wanting attention just from anybody. Um, But there was a time, like I just needed attention. I needed validation, like all of the time I needed, I just needed it. (laughs) And, but I, and I knew how to get it. I would have this whole, like almost different persona, like a different way that I would walk. And it really would be like this, almost like I would almost look down and it was like this weird energy where it's like, I know they're looking at me. I know they want me. And then I'd look up at them and catch them looking at me and like, do this like little, (laughs) I know you're watching. And then I'd look away. And it was just like, it, it's so silly and it's, it did become a game. And now like looking at it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, that's just like, like you're, you're making these guys think that you're interested. Like, of course they're coming up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that was a good mindset shift for me because I was always someone that felt like I needed to beg for love and validation, mm-hmm. but instead you expected it. Yes. That's a very, you're right. That's right. That's a very clear difference. And I I think I always have to remember too, like, I love talking about relationships with you because our attachment styles are so different. Yeah. Like you have that anxious attachment style. There'd be times I'm like, what do you mean? Like, why are you, what? Um, 
And I, it wasn't until more recently, I'd say last year, like last summer, I finally realized I'm like, oh, I'm fearful avoidant. Like I want the connection. I want the love. But the moment that I feel like there's any sense of mistrust or betrayal or anything that I don't like, I get skittish and I run like, and I'm not saying this like as bragging or anything, but I've, I've never been broken up with like, I leave relationships. I, I, in the past, I will always notice my, my language in the past. I have left relationships really, really quickly, um, be, out of fear. Um, and, and I have always in the past, uh, <laughs> felt much more secure and safe and emotionally regulated alone and single. Like whenever I would break up, there would be this huge sense of just relief and just feeling so good. And so there'd be times I'd watch you be in relationships. I'm like, I don't understand. Why are you staying? What? <laughs> I know I would share these things with you and you would be like, why don't you just leave? I'm like, oh, I can't just leave. Oh my God, it brings me so much anxiety. And I just always admired how you could just leave a relationship so freely. I had only ever once, and that was right when I met you, been broken up with, I'd always done the breaking up, but I'd mm -hmm. always chosen low quality men for various reasons from my childhood. And you really inspired me to believe that I could have better and start expecting better. But it also helped me to understand the other insecure attachment style because I could never understand why I would have these partners that were doing pulling away from me, couldn't mm. show love freely, um, didn't want to plan to see me, even though they said they love me. And then when I met you, I was like so triggered by some of the things you were doing and telling me about your relation, like in your relationships. And I was, then I started to understand and recognize the signs of those partners so I could avoid them because they weren't healthy for me and my attachment style either in the past. Mm -hmm. So you were very instrumental in all of my healing and helping me it's become been... a securely attached person. So this has been a very interesting friendship we've had. But it's been huge for me too, because like, obviously like fearful avoidant isn't a securely attached either. Like there's definitely, I had a lot of things that I had to recognize and work through to get to this point to be securely attached into and and it's still something like I'll I'll notice like my first initial trigger like if I get triggered and I'm starting to become aware of what those are my initial reaction is to run is to leave and now I'm able to just kind of recognize and pause and be like okay but space like let's put space before this um response and just like really think about this and get really really clear uh, and I've, I've definitely implemented some tools to help me, I think, appreciate the person that I'm with that I, in the past, I really struggled with that in the past. I would constantly like question, am I settling? Am I settling? Am I, is this not a good, really, is there something better? Um, yeah. And, and which I know is really hard because obviously there's been times we've ended relationships and we have found better, you know what I mean? Yeah. I always um, found better. So that was, it was always, I needed to leave to find better. 
Yeah. I was settling. I was, and that's the thing about the differences in the attachment style is the anxiously attached will stay and they will settle for this, the false safety and security. And the avoidant will always be thinking that they can have better, that this isn't real love, that this isn't real. They feel afraid. So they move on. Mm-hmm. But what are some and of your so, tools? Do you want to talk about the tools? Yeah. So like the biggest tool right now. So just to kind of give context for some people, I'm in a relationship now. I was in, I was just living in New Zealand again for the last four months. And I met an incredible man who also like, there's a lot of similarities. Like he got married when he was 20, 21 and got divorced around the same time I did, like in his mid twenties, um, had come from a religious background, like understands like that aspect, which is really, really nice and is able to, I think this is a big thing, guys, like recognize how your partner talks about their past relationships. Yes. Like if they are putting all the blame on them and like, can't accept their own responsibility and own their mistakes that they made in that relationship. And if they're talking negatively about their past partner, I think that's a red flag. Um, And he was always talking really kindly and, you know, just you know, recognizing that immaturities on both ends and stuff like that. Uh, but he's really, really lovely. And so we've been together now almost three months and I am now back in the U S <laughs> um, I left. So now we've had one whole week apart. Woo. Um, and it's, it's kind of been a little daunting to go from like basically almost spending every day together Although we did start out with like clear boundaries, which I really appreciated. We started out with some really clear boundaries, which this is a tool I would recommend for people starting in a relationship. Like we set out and we said, hey, every Wednesday night is date night. And we are going to see each other on Wednesdays. And other than that, like it's Wednesdays in the weekend. Other than that, we need to make sure that we are taking time for ourselves, that I'm really a huge proponent of having solo dates where I take myself out on a date or I do something really special for myself, um, making sure that I'm still building a beautiful relationship with myself. And that was really good for us. And we said exactly like what to expect as far as like, you know, are we doing a morning text? Are we doing an evening text? Like what is that going to look like so that we had very clear expectations? So that's a huge tool is communicating what your expectations are and what the boundaries are. Especially we did that even like physically took things very slow at the start. Um, and, and just were very clear about what the expectations were. Number two that I've started doing now that we're, and even before we were apart, I got this from the book Compound Effect. Um, I forget what his name is. Darren Hardy, I think. Um, And he talks about how, you know, what you appreciate appreciates. And he did this journaling exercise for his wife one time uh, that was either for an anniversary or a birthday gift or something where every single day he kept a journal and he wrote down something that he appreciated about his wife in this journal. And he kept it every single day for a year. And then he gave her the journal as the gift. And he's like, of course, this was a really meaningful gift for her, but the even bigger gift was how our relationship grew in that year because of the energy that he brought to the relationship. When he started noticing and seeing all the things that he loved and appreciated about his wife, whether it be like the way she did her hair that day or how she talked to her friends or maybe a meal she cooked, he would bring a different energy and was just that much more loving, which obviously was then reciprocated Mm -hmm. or reciprocated back. 
And I always thought that that was just such an amazing exercise. And so I started implementing that. I have like a little keep notes in my Google Drive that I add to. I've got like, at this point, I think there's like 120 different reasons why I love him. And I just keep adding to it every day. And now that we've been apart, I have it. I have a timer on my phone that like 2 p.m., like why I love jibs. And it's right now he's in Bali. So it's 5 a.m. there. And so like, I just take a moment, I screenshot one of the reasons and I just send it to him so that when he wakes up, he has one of those reasons to wake up to. And whether or like, you know, whatever else, like I'm not expecting anything back. I don't need this in return or whatever else. It's just a moment for me to just really reiterate why this relationship is so important to me, why this is something worth staying in and being vulnerable and, and, and continuing. And now I've like recently after like realizing how incredibly and like powerful this exercise is for growing our love, I started making the list for myself I was like, all the reasons I love me. And so anytime, like, I don't know, I noticed I was really patient at something or anytime, like I have, I I have a sense of humor or (laughs) I make sure I prioritize like my relationships with, you know, with my parents or, and I'm just starting to notice the reasons that I really love and appreciate myself because like ordinarily it's really easy for me to beat myself up for me to just feel less than for me to just recognize all of my flaws all of my insecurities all the things i don't like about myself and that's not helpful for me it just makes me feel shame it makes me feel bad about myself and honestly often leads to procrastination leads to self sabotage it can lead to emotional eating or or whatever else. So those are a couple of the exercises I would recommend. Those are really good ones. I like the I like that you can turn it ab- around and make it about yourself. And I feel like for those that are, I always look at everything from like the perspective of the anxious attachment because that's that's what I used to be. And one of the tools that I would use was I would tell myself all the reasons why I was amazing because Mm -hmm. as an anxiously attached person, you're always putting everything on your partner. You're always like trying to cater to everything about them and you're just putting them on a pedestal. So you have to like balance it out and remind yourself that you are amazing and you could have whatever you want, anybody you want, and that you're going to be okay. Even if the relationship didn't work out where for, for you, it's like the opposite where you need to have appreciation for the other person because yeah. otherwise it's easy to just leave the relationship because you just like wall there's a wall I don't <laughs> there's a wall like and we're done and I don't like it's so crazy and quick how easy that wall can come up like it's almost scary um yeah I saw it, it when you broke up with Blotty oh her, her boyfriend in Mexico like she went from being thinking she was going to move to Morelia with him pay for him to go to chiropractor school like have his babies, which he, for the most part, you told me you don't want kids. any kids. <laughs> and then one day you were like, and I'm done. I'm leaving. I booked a ticket. Bye. And I was yeah, like, no, and it, it was that fast. Like I literally, I, I, I broke up with him when we were apart. Like when it was, it was distance. I came back secretly. I had my landlord pick me up and take me to a different apartment. Didn't tell him where I was. I made him get out of our apartment. I, I packed up all my stuff secretly. Like I, and then I just freaking left, like, and I was gone and then never talked to him again. Like, so these avoidant 
and it's so sad because I I know I know that he really did mean well. Just for context, everybody, this I this man, this man, he's not a boy, even though he was ten years younger than me. Like I started, <laughs> he was twenty two, and you were thirty two. Twenty two. I I call him my COVID crisis um, because like the world was on fire and I didn't know when things were going to open up again. I was just like living in Mexico because it seemed like the safest, most freest place at the time. And then there was, you know, and I was in my thirties and there's something about like, oh my God, I'm aging. And oh, this 22 year old like thinks I'm hot. And like, granted, like he was, he really was lovely. There was some, I, I learned a lot about myself in that relationship. That was the very first and only like that very first relationship I didn't cheat. Like I was loyal and I stayed in that relationship far too long, but I just wanted to prove to myself that I could stay, that I could be loyal. Um, which I know again is, is different than maybe an anxious attachment, but, um, I definitely in that relationship, I know I stayed too long. And I but stayed he, for the wrong reasons. He was also one of the first partners you had that had his own toxic traits. Like there were several yeah. times where, and you were trying to figure out, is it me? And I thought that was a really yeah. interesting, like self-reflection because I think your, your partners beforehand, they were a little bit more emotionally mature people. I would say partners. so. I would yeah. say like in the past, like it always takes two, but in the past, it was very clearly where I just... I wasn't ready. Um, and I, I wasn't being very kind. Like I said, like some of those past relationships, they could have absolutely worked if I was in a better, if I would have been in a better headspace and had more maturity and had the experience that I do now, the one in Mexico, nah, that one never, no, it was never meant to work. (laughs) But it was a good stepping stone and it was a lesson that the universe brought you. It was a lesson. It was a very good lesson. It was a fun time. But that one, again, like and something that I've recognized in myself and with my current partner who I'm with, we both have recognized. I think my current partner has had some past tendencies of fearful avoidant as well because he can do the exact same thing of having this wall, which is really interesting to date someone when I can watch Cause we've had times where he's been triggered too, and I can see it and I can watch it. And instead of being like, I'm, I'm sure if I was an anxious attachment, I'd be like, what the heck? Like I'd be freaking out, but there's a part of me, like I'm sitting there and I'm just like, kind of like zoomed out and being like, I get you. I understand. <laughs> like, I know you need space right now. I know you need to just not talk to me. And like, I'm just going to be over here. And when you're ready, then we can talk like, yeah. And, and so like, it's really it's, it's interesting to be able to have this. I think it's important to have the knowledge and understanding of attachment styles. I also, and I just want to applaud you on it. And I hope that your listeners take this on. You say I used to be mm-hmm. right. I, you no longer identify as this attachment style. And I think that this is massive for our healing. It's really important to become aware of these tendencies that we may have. I think it's important to become aware of where they may have come from, but to continue to identify as almost broken, uh, I think can be 
really detrimental because we have this innate need to act consistently with who we believe we are. And if you believe that you are recovering, like I, like I said, I, I teach women, especially who struggle with binge eating or emotional eating. Like if you identify as a binge eater, like you will continue to bring that into your reality. But if you can say, I used to, I used to struggle with this thing, even if you don't quite believe it quite yet, but if your language, your language is so important, um, you will start acting that out. You will start acting as if you are in recovery. You will start acting as if you are a securely attached person. And uh, I think that that's super important. Yeah. It's just like, I, every time I hear this concept, I think of the, um, I'm, I'm quit. Like when you're a smoker and you say I'm quitting. Yes. That is like, that doesn't mean anything. You could smoke tomorrow and yet, Oh, I just had one. But if you say I don't smoke, and you just believe that you don't smoke. I'm not a smoker. I don't smoke. So yep. you will then act in, because if you're not a smoker, you're not going to pick up a cigarette. Like I'm not a smoker. I've never been a smoker and I would never buy a pack of cigarettes or pick up one. But if you're like, oh, I'm quitting, then it's like this gray area. Exactly. Because you identify yeah. as a smoker. It's the same thing like I'm on a diet or like, it's like, you don't really identify as a healthy person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, you're honestly identifying as a dieter. So of course you're going to continue to chronically diet and continue to chronically have to go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And, it, and I, it's just these little nuances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I know when I started my healing journey, when I first discovered the law of attraction and this mindset stuff, um, I heard this concept, but what I struggled with was I felt like I was just like delusional. There's this like idea of, oh, I'm just delusional. And I'm those delusional people that says, oh yeah, I'm this, but they're not really. So the nuance in this is that you have to actively be putting in the work. You have to be taking the steps. You can't just sit there and be like, you know, I'm, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. Then you're being delusional. But if you're in the healing process and you're, you're hired a coach or you're doing the books, you're reading the books or you're watching the YouTube videos or the TikToks or listening to podcasts like this, then you can say, I'm recovering from my anxious mm-hmm. attachment or take a step further and be like, I'm a securely attached person. And yeah. I always say now that I'm a recovered anxious attachment, even though there are still times where the triggers come up, because I believe that this is something that is so deep within us that it's going to be a lifelong journey. I'm no longer controlled by it. I no longer identify with it. I'm recovered because the, the actions that I take are now that of something, someone that is securely attached. 100%. And we talk about this, like in my program, it's just, and it's from atomic habits, right? Mm -hmm. You're casting a vote. You're casting a vote each and every time you are doing things like, like listening to the podcast or anytime you are in a relationship and you're doing, you're doing things in a relationship that are actions of a securely attached person. Whenever you recognize your triggers and don't act on them, you know what I mean? You're casting a vote that you are indeed this type of person and you don't need a unanimous amount of votes. You just need a majority and just giving yourself that, that pat, allowing yourself to feel proud of yourself anytime that, and I've watched you do this. Like I recognize I'm triggered right now and I'm just going to take a pause. Like there's a, an amazing quote from Victor Frankel. He wrote man's search for meaning that I absolutely love. And it's that like in between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, 
is our opportunity to choose our response. And Mm -hmm. in our response lies our true growth and freedom. And I think that this is where the recovery and healing process is. You can't always control the stimulus. Guess what? Life isn't fair. You can't control the actions of other people. What you can control is your attitude, your perspective, and your response, your actions. And the more that you can like allow yourself to put space between whatever is like triggering you and and choosing a healthier response or a response that is in alignment with the type of person you're trying to be, like the more power you realize you have. I love that. So running out of time. And I want to make sure we talk about the retreat because Kelsey's putting on a retreat in July. Uh, What are the dates on that again? July 9th through the 13th. In Colorado Springs. Mm -hmm. It's going to be beautiful. Do you want to talk a little bit about what What to expect? What to expect, (laughs) yeah. All the things. Yeah. I'm so, so excited. This is actually my fourth annual retreat. This will be the second retreat that Miss Keely is joining me in, which I'm so excited to have you back. Um, and the theme for this year is rediscover your story. So everything is just really fitting everything we've been talking about understanding like identity and the ways that you are choosing to talk about yourself, the ways that you see yourself and really allowing ourselves to deep dive and get very clear as to what your life vision is. I think far too often we get so caught up in the minutia of day-to-day life that we just don't take the time to really take a moment. And like, am I acting in accordance to the person that I want to be? Is my life really a representation of my values, of what I really hold important to me? Am I actually taking steps towards the future that I really want? If I continue doing the things that I'm doing right now, is it going to take me to where I want to be? And I think taking a little time out and allowing yourself to get clear is massive. And it's going to be this really small, just kind of like exclusive group. We've got 10 women that are going to be joining us in this beautiful Airbnb. Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. I can't wait for you to see it. In beautiful Colorado Springs, we're backed up against these trails and the woods. So there's lots of opportunities to just go out and walk and be in nature uh, I'm also bringing in Belle again, Belle Martin. She's an amazing movement facilitator. We're going to be doing all sorts of dance and movement and just like there's this whole kind of, we're going to be hitting healing in two aspects, right? So Keely and I are going to be doing a lot of workshops, helping you, giving you tools and kind of doing talk therapy um, with you and kind of really getting clear that way. Belle is bringing in and bringing a somatic form of healing. Like really, you know, that whole body keeps the score. Sometimes mm-hmm. we think that we've gotten through something, but the body is still holding on to it. And that's what we're going to be doing and, and having movement and yoga. And I'm just, I'm so excited to be bringing this um, to everybody. Obviously, we'll talk a, a little bit about having a healthy relationship with food and body image. And Kiwi's going to be talking about healthy relationships. So this is just an amazing opportunity for you to be with other like-minded women uh, who are really looking to just improve their lives in all aspects. And I'm really excited. So if they're interested in getting more information, how do they get in touch with you? 
So they can go to the link. I don't know if you can put it in description, but www.rediscoveryoufree.com slash retreat. And other than that, feel free. You can hit me up on Instagram at rediscover.uyou.free. You can just DM me retreat and I will absolutely love to just give you any information. Um, just make sure it's a good fit. We've only got a couple spots left, especially if you want a private room. So if this is something that resonates with you, definitely reach out sooner rather than later. We'd love to have you join us. And what's nice about these smaller retreats is unlike the big conventions where you just get lost in the sea of people, this is a small group of women in a beautiful house and Mm -hmm. it just is like the place that friendships and transformations are made so i'm really excited for and oh july is gonna be like the perfect time there too not too hot not too cold (laughs) i love these live events too because like and this is a huge representation just you and me like we have had like we have a deep lifelong relationship and friendship And it came from going to a live event. Like, I don't know where my life would be if I hadn't have gone to that event, if I hadn't have met you. Like, I I don't even want to imagine what that universe looks like. And so, like, obviously this retreat is is a beautiful opportunity for you to, like, deep dive and get clear into your own life's vision. But it also is an amazing opportunity to meet and have lifelong friendships that, that could literally change your life forever. Yeah, because when I started this personal development journey, I felt so alone. Like I remember planning on going to Grace Lever's event because I wanted to meet other people doing the same thing as me. And so retreats like this are just such a great opportunity for that because while while when we nerd out on this stuff, personal development, business, Mm -hmm. whatever, not everybody does that. And it can be really hard when the people around you, especially the partner that you have, your family, your close friends aren't in personal development. So events Mm -hmm. like this, you can meet people that, like you said, like-minded, they're doing the work and they're on a whole nother level and they can really help you and support you in getting to the part of the journey that you want to get to next. Absolutely. Proximity is power 100%. So be very conscious about who you spend time with and it is absolutely worth continuing to invest in, which is why you and I continue to invest in coaching and mentorship in masterminds, like in, in conventions, in conferences, we know the value and it's like, what is money good for if it's not helping you like, like move forward in your life uh, and, and building those relationships that are so meaningful. So yeah. And when sure. you live nomadic lifestyles like us, we don't mm-hmm. want to own a house. We don't want to have expensive mm-hmm. possessions. So then the best investment really is in your, yourself skills and your mindset and your health, like all the things. Absolutely. Is there, is there any other final words that you've got for words of wisdom? I think, oh my gosh, I think the biggest thing is just continue no matter what in your healing journey to continue to take care of you. Um, the parting words that my, my boyfriend's, you know, left me with, like he left me a voice message, um, after I had like this tearful goodbye at the airport or whatever else. And he said, I'll take care of myself for you. If you can take care of yourself for me. And those are things that I'm, I'm living by. It's so interesting that 
sometimes I think we think self-care or investing in ourselves is selfish. And I promise you, it is the most selfful thing that you could ever do when you take care of yourself, whether that be eating at regular times throughout the day, making sure that you're staying hydrated, that you're getting good sleep, that you're investing in your personal growth. Like I promise you will be a better partner, a better parent, a better coworker, a better friend because of it. Like you cannot give from an empty cup. And so um, I, I think that that's my biggest thing is make sure that you are always continuing to take care of yourself because it will, it will lead to a healthier relationship and a healthier life in the long run. Are you an ambitious and independent woman who's ready to start attracting your aligned masculine partner, but have struggled with settling in the past? Join the free masterclass to start attracting him in less than 30 days by tapping into a hidden feminine superpower that you already have. Go to girlstopcrying.com to sign up.